At the moment, it looks as though potentially that deal is still on for James McCarthy. We said it a little while ago. Uh, Dave Whelan had spoken to me and he said that the deal was dead because Everton weren't matching the valuation and were looking to spread payments over four years. It looks like Everton's stance may well have changed in that respect and that's a deal they could possibly still force through. Gareth Barry is already in Finch Farm uh, ahead of a proposed loan move from Manchester City, a season-long loan move from Manchester City and Everton still holding out hope as well that they can bring in Romelu Lukaku beating West Brom to his signature again on a season-long loan. Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here, sat here, as always, with Mark Mach. It's a treat to come out, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm still hiding behind my couch after the deadline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty safe to come out. Uh, as you heard at the top there, a little bit of a transfer recap from, um, from Monday, and uh, yeah, it's safe to come out. Kid of blue, I'd say. We'll, we'll, we'll get, that, get to that later on. Uh, plenty to talk about this week. Been a busy old week, hasn't it? I mean, the uh, the game at the weekend seems like years ago. From uh, there was a game at the weekend. I think so. Was well, that only last week? Was that not? I vaguely remember sitting through ninety dull minutes, but yeah. Uh, oh God, less said about it the better. But I suppose we we, we better do it because that's what we do. Recap the previous game. And, uh, shall we? We'd be doing the listeners a disservice if we didn't. I think um, Cardiff away, nil nil. Again. Again. Another point. Unbeaten now. Play three. Unbeaten. I mean, the way... I think the way the way it's coming across at the moment, like, we've only drawn two games, nil-nil, but it seems like we've played a whole season of nil-nil, doesn't it? Just, just on over two games. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, you know, the glaring problem again was, was scoring goals. Um, again, I thought we had large chunks of possession in the game, and... Again, never really looked like scoring. Yeah, I think the players just like to watch, don't they? When when the ball's in the penalty area and nobody seems to react, which I think I think Delafeo's little run when he made his brief cameo at the end and he put a lovely ball across the six-yard box and a decent striker. You'd like to think would be on the end of that. Someone who'd just take a chance. Uh, or in previous years, uh, if only we could have signed one. Eh? Yeah, um, well, I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, yeah. I, I know you said there about you know the players just seem to like to watch, but I'll tell you someone who didn't seem to be watching in the first half, and that was the referee. Shocker, utter shocker. Uh, we we should have had at least one penalty, and you know that's the obvious one that he talked about, which was uh, Baines. <laughs> Where he got brought down, and just because he didn't, you know, go screaming to the referee, he, he said he, you know, he, he didn't appeal for it. <laughs> Would you think he had to appeal? Well, Bainsey's that type of player. Sometimes I, I'm not one of these people who, who like people diving, but Bainsey sometimes is a bit too honest for his own good. I think. I mean, there was well, especially on that occasion, yeah. Well, there was when Bellamy elbowed him in the face as well. 
Yeah. Um, which, the walls, wasn't he? You know, Blayton Elbow and Bainsey didn't really make anything of it. There were, there's other players in the league who would have been rolling around, and I'm sure Bellamy himself probably would have rolled around, cried his eyes out, and done his best to try and get the opposing player sent off. Now, I'm not an advocate of getting other players sent off, but when it's Craig Bellamy, <laughs> then I'll make, an, favorite, I'll make an exception for that. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I don't think the referee did us any favours in the first half, but again, we didn't do ourselves any favours by not uh, finishing any chances. I mean, and what you've just mentioned, that, that cross by Delafayo towards the end of the game um, just blatantly showed where we're falling down this season. So, 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 so frustrating. Just anyone to put a toe on. I think in previous years, Kale would have been on the end of it as well. Just someone who just takes that chance, just has that. You know, that's something that will get them on the end. Uh, crosses like that. Um, you know, whether Yelovich obviously wasn't on the pitch at the time, but Kone doesn't look like he's got that. Well, I'm sure Kale would have uh, buried a couple of their medals that fell to Morales as well. Um, <laughs> it, question for you Is Morales' haircut affecting his head and performance? <laughs> something is. <laughs> something definitely is. Because obviously this is a, this is an audio podcast and, and you can't see the two of us sitting here, but I've got a hairstyle very similar to that of Kevin Morales. And you're also not known for your uh... And I'm terrible with my head as well, so it could definitely be some sort of a scientific pattern going on here, I think. We haven't seen Brian Oviedo's head and ability, but he seems to use the same barber as well, so... We haven't actually seen any ability from him so far. <laughs> no. hey, um, going back to the first half, and I said we could have had at least one penalty, but I thought we were a little bit unlucky with a Yelovich's header, which um, it, it rolled down Turner's arm before the goal. He pulled off a world-class save. Um, not much pace on the header, but it was sending the goal the wrong way, and it did hit Turner's arm while it's going goalwards so shouldn't that, that not have been a penalty as well? Well, as, as I say I just thought there was a number of decisions there that uh, I, I thought that was a penalty myself there, I, there was a number of decisions there which were glaring, glaringly wrong um, but you know I, I, I definitely don't want to turn into one of these people who blame referees because it is a difficult job um, and I'm sure I'm a firm believer in that these things do tend to balance themselves out I don't know whether I agree with that over the years we have an half dealt with a lot of it as Blues I think the only one that we've had going for us is uh, a, a goal that didn't stand or did stand against Bolton a few years ago and then we ended up staying uh, staying up on you know on, on sorry account. you misunderstood me when I said these things balance themselves out I meant to Merseyside as a whole so we don't get decisions oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Liverpool well, yeah. get all the decisions given <laughs> yeah. to them yeah, that that, that's how it works that, that's my understanding anyway yeah, they, Coleman got picked up a booking as well, which which I, I saw it was a little bit of a, a rough, tough challenge. But he got a toe on the ball and he got booked, and uh, they played it exactly the same without getting a toe on the ball, and did, I, I didn't get a booking. So it's just inconsistency. And yeah, I know that particularly upset Paul. He was sat in a bar in Malta watching it at the time. I'm sure that softened the blow with his uh, with his wife sat there. Don't yeah, but I know we, I know we commented on the same thing. Yeah, I, you know, it's one of them. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest of games. Uh, it wasn't held by the referee, um, and it probably also wasn't held by by Everton's inability to score in a brothel at the moment. But uh, but yeah, I mean, what what can you say? Overall, on that game, um, it's come out since like over three games now, we've got the best uh, possession rate at sixty four percent. 
over the whole season. And where's that got us? Exactly. And I, I don't want us to get into this this stupid red shite mentality of like possession uh, wins games because it, it clearly isn't doing at the moment. I think something will click and we will start putting chances away. Um, I just hope it's sooner rather than later. Well, obviously, um, moving on slightly. Well, I mean, did you think? Was there any positives to take from the game? Do you think? I mean, I, you know, clean sheet. Didn't get beat against the Cardiff side who beat Man City the week before. Uh, you know, going down there, it was a very, very tricky game on paper. After that last week, uh, they were well up for it. So yeah, coming away with it, a nil-nil. That's the positive. We sent our roving reporter to this one as well, didn't we? But I don't think he made it there, did he? Where was he? No, he, apparently he started making his way down to Cardiff and ended up on a beach in Malta instead. <laughs> and um, then still still uh, did a match report for us anyway, so we'll... Uh, yeah, he still watched the game and he was still drunk, so it's probably exactly the same report as you would have got if he had gone to Cardiff. Yeah, so where he is now, Paul Cronin of since 1878, with his drunken match report. Overseas correspondent, back again. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I just get a little bit depressed. Three games, three draws. On the plus side, Roberto Martinez hasn't lost yet. And in fairness, we haven't looked like losing, but we've looked like winning, but not converted chances and possession. Heck, we're going to start being like them fucking shouting over the road saying we won the possession this year we'll probably draw it against Chelsea we're, we're just going to draw it all season I think and we controlled the game again and we, ju- we just didn't score top of my head uh, De La Feu, whatever you want to call him he came on, he was only on for th- 7 minutes I think he had one shot, straight at the goalie but as you all say, I have a side, I would have gone in the back of the fucking net. Um, a cracking cross. And I, I, I was watching there before, and I kept saying, get in the fucking box. It's like we were hanging outside the box, even when we were attacking, and even when we were around the 18-yard box, and even when we got to the byline, we we had no one in the box. Um Taking Kevin Morales, two really good headed opportunities, both of them skidded off the edge of a 50p, and then when he got in a position to, to have a pop with his half foot, he cut back inside and bottled it, why hadn't he just hit it with his left foot? It was like we were trying to overplay things at, at times, and you know... Oh God, I just wish we'd have had a pop now and again. It's a good job I haven't got that much to remember, to be honest, because I wouldn't be able to fucking remember it. Um, man of the match. Same, same as last week, really. Coleman was good again. He can use his right foot, he can use his left foot. Uh, he did nothing wrong. Leighton Baines, again, nothing wrong. He had one chance there where he cut inside and he tried to play it outside and the lad had slipped over. He should have just had a crack. Uh, Barkley, not long again. I can honestly see me loving him in future. The Elevich runner's out out again. Um, I'd like to have seen uh, De La Feu a good 20, 25 minutes earlier. 
he, he genuinely looked a threat when he come on after only seven minutes. So you can't give your man of the match to a lad that's only been on for seven minutes. But well, for me, he looked the most dangerous player of the day. Controversial, but yeah. I said I can't give it to him, but I think I'm going to have to give it to him. That'll do for me. Overseas correspondent out. Well, that was Paul there with his report from a sunny Maltese beach. Um, and if you listen to the end of the podcast, you might see a little bit more of Paul. Hang on a minute, is that a Malteser that I just done? <laughs> um, but that was his thoughts on the game. Uh, I mean, I, I actually expected to see possibly slight changes in personnel for this game. I mean, we, we've started the exact same 11 now in all three league games and failed to win any of them. Um, obviously, going back to, we played Stevenage a few days before Cardiff, uh, which I, I want to touch on slightly, uh, and we saw quite a change in personnel there with Delafeu making his, his Everton debut. Um, I thought he played well against Stevens. Do you not? Do you think he was in contention at all for the for the game, just for the starting role against Cardiff? I thought he was all right against Stevenage, and the level of opposition, um, he could have been better, I suppose. And I suppose he was in contention because he, he scored. You know, he scored. Say the level of competition, but it was one-one after ninety minutes. Yeah, well, I think that's that's probably why it, it went back to the uh, the same league <laughs> side, uh, the same side again because that team did no favours for themselves at all. The players who came in, uh, I mean, it seems that long ago. I can't even remember if anyone had a good game at all. Can you? I remember very little about the game. I was really talk about. I mean, no, I. <laughs> I know there were some players who came in who I was looking forward to seeing when I saw the team sheet. It was pretty much what I predicted on last week's podcast, really. Um, and, you know, players like Oviedo came in, didn't really do anything, didn't look. There was a lot of talk at the time about if Baines was going to leave, which, thank the Lord, we now know he didn't. Um, that Oviedo was going to be a, a ready-made replacement. And, again, from seeing Oviedo play, the, the lad's not ready at the moment. I think from... Um, from a lot of the, the, the general talk you hear and, and it's like, you know, Yelovich hasn't scored for a while, give Kone a run out. This was prior to Stevenage. Nobody's uh, of that opinion anymore, are they? No, Kone was poor. He really was poor. Um, the whole team, I mean, we, we struggled against a pretty poor Stevenage side. You know, they, they, didn't, they didn't even come and raise, raise the game or anything. We should have put them to bed. They scored with what one break. They had a little bit of a gave us a little bit of a scare with a long ranger towards the end. But other than that, they didn't do anything, and neither did we. Whilst having about seventy percent possession again, back to possession without doing anything, though, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. I mean, when we were there, and it was quite a sort of sombre, quiet atmosphere there at the ground as well. I mean, it's always like that with early cup games. There was only twenty two, twenty three thousand people there anyway. Um, and then obviously an extra time upstepped uh, Mr Flaney to, to save our bacon and put to next round. Uh, hopefully he'll keep doing that for us this season. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. right, okay. Um, so but so you didn't really expect any changes going into the Cardiff game then from that? The only one the only one I expected was only because of the, the news filtering through last week that uh, Gibbo was uh, a possibility and I was hoping that he might come back in because uh, I think we were really lacking in that 
departments at the moment. You know, the, somebody who's an expert at that role um, and dropping to pick the ball from the goalie. Um, so that was the only change which I kind of anticipated. But other than that, no, I thought that was pretty much as it would be. So then, Saturday, after Saturday, we had the calm before the storm, which was Sunday. Uh, and obviously there's a couple of big games in the Premier League on Sunday. Um, the Shite obviously beat United. Mm. Um, what did you think of uh, Moise's team he put out on Sunday? Well, I think any team that, he, that he's going to put out at Man U is going to be going to be a decent lineup, really. But I thought they were quite toothless against uh, Liverpool. I thought they were absolutely woeful. I, I must admit, I thought his team selection. I mean, I can't understand why Kagawa is, doesn't even make the bench in games like that. I mean, I, I, I would say the, the the best player I've seen in my lifetime, I, on a whole, is Ryan Giggs. For consistency, for you know the impact he's had on the Premier League, for his performances for Man United. But you've got to you've got to think he's past his best. Now. I mean. He was just totally ineffective in that game. And I thought Liverpool just parked the bus and ground out a 1-0, which is a bit of an ominous sign, really. Yeah, to talk about, about them, now, they're talking like they've won the league already and got the Champions League next year. I'm, I'm, but they always talk like that. I know, they always talk like that anyway. Um, but they've, they've got they've pretty much scraped 3-1-0s. The first game of the season, OK, against Stoke, they dominated... But they had a penalty against them in the last spot, last minute or whatever, which stupid John Walters uh, passed back to the goalie. So they scraped through with a 1-0 there. The, the Villa game could have been... Villa had a couple of decent chances. And then Man U, they, uh, what, they got the early goal and then just didn't do bugger all else, really, did they? Well, the Shags have picked up a few players over the last couple of days as well, including Victor Moses. It was a bit of a shocker, wasn't it? Well, apparently they've turned to Moses to get them into the Champions League place. There's a few people saying that they probably needed to go one better and get Jesus to help them do yeah. that. But, uh, they've decided to, to, to stick with Moses anyway. But uh, obviously, and then there was the North London derby as well. And I would have bet my house on Spurs to win that. And then old Arsene Wenger turns up and uh, pulls one of his usual uh, rabbits out the hat. Yeah, and it was a lovely goal from Giroud as well, wasn't it? It was, it was crack, a great finish with the outside of foot. Yeah, I thought he was going with his other foot for it, and he just ended up doing it. Like, it was a little bit of a showboat finish, really, wasn't it? It was. Good game, you know, I thought. Um, and then, after Sunday, we had a very sleepless night going into going into Monday and then... Oh, yeah. Transfer deadline day. And it was uh, to say it was a bit nerve-wracking uh, is probably the understatement of the year, I think. Yeah, up, up until now, everything that we've seen, apart from the one Man United bid, which was twenty eight million, everything we've seen has been rumour. So we didn't know what to expect, really, did we? I think we were all we were all fearing the worst that uh, you know Baines and Fellaini were were going to go at like five to eleven, and we were going to get no one in. But I can't say for the whole twenty four hour period or whatever it was. Um, I can't say that I feared Baines going at all, or expected, sorry, I did fear it of course, but I can't say that I expected any any, uh, any action to take place on that. Well, I mean, I personally think, you know, it's better than any signing we could have made on the day, the fact that Baines has stayed. Definitely. definitely. I think possibly it's the best bit of business that any club did on the day at all, and, you know, I think Leighton Baines has, has been superb through it, I think. 
I've got, and you've got to take your hat off to the, you know, the boards as well. The boards and Bill Kenwright get so many detractors, and I'm probably going to get a load of abuse on the Facebook page here now for being a Kenwright lover or a lovey, as people tend to be calling them. But you know, you've got to give credit where it's due, and they could have very easily cashed in on them. They could have took 12 million. They could have took 15 million. But um, I think the board have realised, you know, he's irreplaceable, Leighton Baines, and he, you know, the, the Goodison faithful love him. And, um, you know, I'm just so happy that he, he never took the money and he convinced them to stay. Yeah, so that's, that was um, possibly, well, possibly, I, I agree, it was our best bit of business. But it wasn't our only bit of business. We've got a little clip again from Paul, again from Malta. <laughs> um, we'll just let him have his say and then we'll discuss the transfer deadline day after that as well. Transfer deadlines, eh? Um, where do you start? Uh, I think I'm with Martinez on it. I, I don't understand why clubs go all through the summer trying to get a settled side, play three or four games at the start of the season, and then potentially have to completely and utterly rejig their team, squads, plans for the season. Um, I think it should shut the Friday night before the first game of the season and then you've got a settled side right up till January then settled squad um, our performance in it I, I don't know I was keeping an eye on it all day and I sat there all day thinking Fellaini's going to go and lo and behold uh, 11 you know seconds to 11 he went my biggest disappointment um, is, uh, is the way we, we've not done the business early I, I wish we'd have done the business early before we'd started the season um, even knowing that Fellaini probably would be going and then we would have had uh, more time to bring more players in I do think we're a little bit light on the players we brought in Yeah thanks again for that Paul I mean uh, we, we make Paul sound like the most miserable man in the world don't we with the edit and we put on some of this uh, he's not always like that listeners honestly he's a uh, He's a laugh sometimes, occasionally. Occasionally. Very, very rarely. <laughs> um, he sounded so, suicidal on that though, didn't he? I know, yeah. <laughs> but go, going back to the, the transfer news, obviously there's been some rumours that have been uh, been bubbling all summer. One player who was like mentioned throughout who we ended up taking uh, on loan, uh, Gareth Barry, was pretty much... It seemed to be a done deal all day, really, but it didn't, fa- didn't get finalised until basically last minute. I think it was probably dependent on what was going on in other areas. I think we always were interested and always wanted them, but it, it, it sort of hinged on other deals coming through, really. So do you, want to, do you want to just talk about the deals one by one? We'll just talk about Barry before we go on to the other players. OK. Yeah, um, a, a, lot, a lot of fans were disappointed when we were first linked with them. And I don't know, I, I just don't know why. I, I, don't even, I don't even know if I was, to be honest. I think he brings a lot to the table, though. You know, proving in a Premier League, all right, you can say he's... What is he, 31, 32? 32. 32, isn't he? I mean, OK, he's getting on a bit, but... I mean, he's ideally suited to that anchor role in our midfield. And he's the right age for it. He's the right age for that, yeah. I mean, you have a look at the people who've done that role, like, you like, say, your Makaleles and stuff in the past who've really, you know... Made a good go with that role, and they they were all in the thirties. You know, he could, do, he could do that for three or four more years. You need experience. You need a good football brain on you to play that role, and he's got that. And I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of copites in particular on Facebook laughing, saying that we've signed Gareth Barry as has been. Again, copite mentality and short memories. They got rid of Xabi Alonso a few seasons ago to get Gareth Barry. 
Do you want um, set for 23 million or something? You know, or yeah. Or 18 million or whatever. And then they were all gutted when he did, when he basically laughed at them and went and signed for Man City instead. So, where, he mean, won, where he won the league. Yeah, where he won the league. And, you know, I, there's been, already there's been Man City players, Vincent Company. Uh, and a few others coming out saying, you know, Everton have got a crack and signing gather Valley. And there's no reason for them to say that unless they genuinely believe it. I think with um, I think with Gareth Barry, he's a victim of not being a fashionable continental signing. He, I think it was the same with Mancini uh, and Pellegrini come in with the same same kind of view because he's not their kind of player because he hasn't come from Barcelona or somewhere somewhere abroad. He's just uh, he's, he's been overlooked. But I think for any other team in the league, um, I think he can do a great job, and I'm glad that he's here. And the fact that it's only, it's, a, it's a loan signing for the year, that takes it up to the end of his contract at City, so he'll be available on a free. So if he does a good job for us, then he's pretty much. You know, he's a good player as well to have on the bench or starting games because he's so versatile. I mean, he can play right, you know, he can play across the midfield, he can play left midfield if necessary, he can play left back. So, I mean, he's one of them players. A bit like, you know, it's a bit like when when we had Neville. You know, I think Except his passing's better. Yeah, he's probably a better player than Neville, but Neville could always good cover for a number of positions, could come in in midfield, come in at right back, even play centre half if necessary. And Barry can do the same thing. He's experienced. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, so, I mean, I don't think there's anything to lose in it. And I think potentially... You've got to remember, Gareth Barry's got a lot to play for this season. Exactly, I was going to mention that. He's coming towards the end of his career. He's probably missed out on a good 12 months or so because he's been sort of in and out of the City team. There's a World Cup at the end of this year. He's 32. It's his last ever chance to go to a World Cup. He's going to be desperate to make that England squad. So, he's got a lot to prove. And he's in the ideal place to prove it. Because you know for the fact that Royal Hodgson's got nothing, there's nothing stopping him picking Everton players because he does it in every single England squad. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I, think, I think it's definitely a good move, especially with um, how, how Gibson's started, started the season, or not started the season, so to speak. Um, definitely uh, a contender for that, uh, that, that kind of anchor position uh, just in front of the defence. For me, he's first choice for it now. I, yeah. I mean, I'm a big Dan Gibson fan, uh, and I think Gibson can play possibly slightly ahead of Barry, but I would say if Barry's match fit, then he probably you know, is, is, the, is more suited to that role than Gibson. Okay, yeah, so uh, let's talk about the, the second uh, signing that we kind of thought might happen, but... Um, we didn't, you know, again, it didn't go through till gone 11 o'clock by the sound of things. And that's uh, the fella from uh, from Wigan. Well, you know, we've obviously all been waiting to, to get this lad for a while now. It's been on the cards. And I must admit, I thought when he had that breakthrough season under Martin O'Neill, where he was flying up that wing at the Stadium of Light, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that's, he looked at No, 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 that, that's James McLean. Is it not James McLean who signed? No, 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 no. Is it the lad from Wigan who signed? Yeah, the lad from Wigan. Oh, right, okay. Well, obviously, I've been a big fan of this lad for a while now. Uh, And, you know, starting off in central midfield for Wigan, and then he's gone on to make a Scotland debut, and he's playing well for Scotland. That's James McCarthy. The lad from Wigan, yeah? Yeah. Who is it we've signed? McCarthy. McCarthy? McCarthy, yeah. Oh, right. McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. Well, again, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I've always been a big fan of McCarthy, and I'm happy we've signed him. I mean, 
I thought he did a great job managing the Republic of Ireland. I thought he was oh, lucky oh, to get on. sacked as Wolves hold manager. On. Not Mick McCarthy, James McCarthy. James McCarthy. James McCarthy. Who's he? <laughs> <laughs> He's our new uh, thirteen million pound signing from Wigan. Right, all joking aside. Um, oh, that was a joke. That was on this. <laughs> well, that was an attempt. Was an attempt at humour. Um, but all joking aside, um, which transfer do you think was the most nailed on for transfer deadline? Do you think it was Fellaini going to United, or do you think it was McCarthy coming to Everton? Because both have been talked about since the first day of the you know the pre-season or the end of last season, really. Well. The McCarthy one, it, it kind of looked up in the air, didn't it? When when we found out uh, Roberto was on his way down to London and, and he was there for um, a hearing, a work permit hearing for Fernando, the Brazilian who we were linked to, uh, with on the day, uh, for 15 million. So when that came about, you know, I thought the McCarthy deal looked a little bit like. I must admit, just, just briefly going back in the day, for when I first seen Everton linked with Fernando, I thought we were getting tires. <laughs> Well, there was some, some whispers about that, that, we, that we'd asked for him on loan. I think that was shot down pretty quick. I don't think that would have gone down very well, really. No. Torres probably goes down pretty well, like, <laughs> but I don't think that would have gone down very well. Yeah, um, so, McCarthy in the end. Oh, God, what was it like? We sat there, and every five seconds, Jim White on Sky Sports, it was a... Uh, Dave Whelan was on the on the blower to him every five seconds. He was all over talk sport. He was just desperate to. Uh, I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but Dave Whelan needs a good eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know he's an old man in that, and I know he's had. Uh, well, I believe he's had a broken leg. Yeah, apparently, yeah. he broke his leg at Wembley. You know, <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just shocking that. But oh my god, I don't think I've ever seen such a, a media whore as Dave Whelan. It was just, it was also desperation, wasn't it, trying to hype that? I suppose it's a masterstroke when you look at it because he ends up getting his uh, 13 million. Um, he, he just, he, you know, he'll be, in, he'll be at his house day wheeling and he, he'll, you know, put his tea on and he'll ring Sky Sports News to tell him what he's having. Yeah. He's, he, you know, the, the, the absolute like icing on the cake was when Jim White's there live in the studio <laughs> doing reports. And his mobile's going off, and he looks at it and says, Dave Whelan's trying to phone me while I'm live on air. It's just... It's a, that man, it just annoys me, he just winds me up. Well, but as I say, he, he got his um, he got his money, didn't he? And I, I don't know, I mean, I didn't see McCarthy play that much last season. Um, obviously, I don't even know who he is. Yeah, <laughs> Roberto obviously rates him highly, and it's another ex-Wigan man in which we've got some uh, stick over. Um, it's the other end of the spectrum. Barry, Barry's thirty-two. McCarthy's twenty-two. Yeah. So there's, you know, you're looking now at, you know, potentially a central midfield partnership of twenty-year-old Ross Barkley and twenty-two-year-old James McCarthy. So, the, the, you know, both on long-term contracts. So there's there's good uh, prospects for the future there. Yeah, and you're looking at Coleman as well, still a young lad. Yeah. And um, I know we're going to go in for the season. There, so just that. Oh, oh no, he's, he's not. He just, no, no, yeah. he just looks the same yeah. as he did when he was twenty. Um, I think with McCarthy, and you know, I'm, I'm probably in the same boat as most Evertonians. We we don't know much that much how we're about him, and we probably think 13 million was a little bit much for him. But a lot of ex-players and so-called experts have come out and said that we've got a, a really excellent sign in there. 
and you know you're paying you're paying 12 13 million you're paying over the odds and I know he's Irish but he's, he's classed as a um, he's classed as a homegrown isn't he so it's if any fair play kind of thing comes into play then it, it, it's I, I think the 13 million pound price tag as well is a bit of a false economy when you look at it, he's 22 yeah. so he's going to have a resale value at some point so even if he you know he goes down in value to 8 million in Three years time, four years time, you've actually only spent five on. Yeah. You know, if he goes up in value like a lot of our signings do, the likes of Fellaini, then obviously you, you haven't really spent anything on him. You make money on him, so I, I know people are turning their nose up saying, "Oh, it's five million too much or ten million too much," but it not only are you getting a player, you're getting an investment as well, and that's what Everton Football Club buy. We buy investments as well as players. You've got to, you know, you've got to remember that. Apart from Kone. Well, yeah. Okay, apart from Kone, yeah. he's like pushing thirty, and he's a uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to completely slag him off because you know it was one performance. I don't want to jump back on that bandwagon. Um, and then we got the shock of the transfer window. Really was, it really was a shocker, wasn't it? And when when it was first linked, and I think it just came through it, again. Jim White, it wasn't it wasn't Vinny Vinny O'Connor, was it? He wasn't in reporting from the ground. It's just Jim White who said that Lukaku might be on his way to Everton, and it was like. You know, where's that come from? <laughs> uh, do you know what? I, I don't think... I can't really think of a player who we could have got that probably would have been more exciting to me. Realistically. Realistically, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, obviously, if you sign Messi, that's obviously going to be exciting, but it's never going to happen in a million years. I just think, you know, after what he'd done at West Brom last year, and I, 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 said, I think I said this to yourself, I, I remember when he, he came and played at Goodison last year, and I remember just turning around to you at the game and saying... I'd love to sign him, you know, he's an absolute beast. He scares the living daylight. He's got pace, he can finish, he's good in the air, he's strong. Um, everything that Victor Anichibi should have been, really, wasn't it? Well, yeah, and obviously Victor's gone out on his way now. But, go, I mean, going back to Lukaku, you know, I just think it, it, it's a great deal. And I, I honestly thought, at the start of the season, when we all pick our fancy football squads, the first player I picked for my fantasy football team was Lukaku because I expected them to be starting for Chelsea. I think with that though, because um, they brought Eto in again, it's only thirty-two. I thought he was about thirty-eight or something. Um, but because they brought where him. was Eto born? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Eto, no one knows how old Samuel Eto is. He's been thirty-two for about the last nine years. But, but with him coming in though, it's 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 you know. The, the, it's, it's lucky for us, really, isn't it? Because we got our own little lucky. lucky <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, I think it's one of the buy. I think it's one of the best deals of the uh, the transfer window. I think he's an absolute beast of a player, uh, and you know, I think he probably. I look at all them strikers at Chelsea. You know, you look at Bar, you look at Torres, even Samueletto, Lukaku. If all of them played every game up front in the league for Chelsea this year, I think Lukaku would probably get the most goals out of the lot of it's just it's, it's I don't know whether it's just a little bit too much pressure for him at Chelsea maybe with with uh, not so much pressure on no, him as such but um, f- from from Roman uh, the, you know if he spent fifty million on Torres even if it's a couple of seasons ago or thirteen million on uh, what, what was whatever it was for Bar and whatever um, and he, or he's paying what two hundred and fifty thousand a week for uh, two. Lukaku's not going to get a lock in, no matter who the manager yeah, I mean, is. These older players, they've all been at big clubs before, they've all, you know, carried that burden of expectation on the shoulders before. I mean, like Torres carried Liverpool for seasons, didn't he? And 
So, um, I mean, that, that's maybe what Mourinho's thinking. Maybe he just thinks Lukaku needs a bit more experience and, and hopefully we're going to benefit from that this year. Yeah, the one, um, the one negative side of it, and it's a, what a lot of people have, have been saying, which I don't know what to touch, touch on now, but is the fact that we, on paper we've, we've got two loan players and one in permanently. Um, well, I think you mentioned before about the body deal. The yeah, body deal sees until the end of his deal, so potentially that could be a permanent deal because you, would, you would you would have thought as long as he, you know if he does well this season, his contract expires at City, we'd easily be in pole position to sign him. I would have thought. Yeah. Um, and then so that leaves the Lukaku deal now. You know, who's to say? You, you never know with the sides like Chelsea. Who's to say next year Chelsea won't go out and buy? You know. Falcao and two other great strikers and then Lukaku would be surplus to the crimes. Now what I bank on and what I think always happens is when you play for Everton you fall in love with them. Yeah, get a taste for it. Yeah. You know, and, and I think yeah, you know, it, it looks like Lukaku had a great time at West Brom and he and he felt something for West Brom. If he's getting that feeling at West Brom, I guarantee you he's gonna get that feeling times ten when he plays a Goodison. And he's going to fall in love with playing for Everton. So we used to say at the end of next season, he, he, you know, Lukaku won't want to come and play for Everton. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned about that the West Brom and at what, what ten to eleven or whatever. Well, maybe about ten o'clock, wasn't it? Where uh, again on Sky Sports News, and we heard those dreaded words: uh, Lukaku is, is going to join West Brom over Everton. And I think every Evertonian by that time would just completely. Suicide. <laughs> well, I think at one point at about eleven, about ten o'clock, uh, it was looking like West Brom's new strike force was going to be Lukaku and Anachibi. Now yeah. I wouldn't like to be two centre halves playing against them too. Uh, you'd have been getting barged everywhere by Lukaku, and then you would have been falling over Anachibi sitting on the floor <laughs> with his arms up in the air moaning. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm giving, I'm doing Victor a disservice there. I just want to go on to Victor if we can. Uh, obviously, he's moved on to West Brom on a permanent deal for somewhere around six million mark. Yeah, that's a good deal for him. A good move for him. A good move for us, and possibly a good move for West Brom. Really, I think. I think um, the time Victor's had at Goodison, uh, he's he started started to get back on it again towards the end of last season. But I think. Um, by not even get a look, getting a look in, has he been injured? No, no, he's been fit. By, by not even getting a look in so far this season, I don't think uh, Roberto fancies him. I think he, he's obviously brought Kone in, and he, he got a bit more. Uh, he fancies him a little bit more, so I think Vin, uh, Victor wasn't really going to get a sniff. No, what I mean, you know, if you told me about this deal. Probably eighteen months ago, probably to even you know, six months. Well, yeah, maybe even twelve months ago. You know, I'd have, I'd have been I'd, as a lot of people have been saying. I'd have been driving them down. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd have been. <laughs> you don't even drive. <laughs> I'd have been biting their hand off. But um, you know, he did do well at the end of last season. And, and when you look back at his time in Everton, although he's not been the most prolific of lads, uh, and although he's been criticised a lot. You know, he, he was an Evertonian and he was a blue, and, and I'm sorry to see him go really. And I just, I, I really hope that he does get to play every single game for West Brom, and he does well. I really do. The thing with that though, he started well for us and finished well for us. The, the, the couple of years in the middle, he was neither here nor there, wasn't he? But uh, yeah, good luck to him. Good luck to him. I think it's uh, as we were saying on the way up here before. I think it's uh, it's kind of a, a, a suited move for him. Which uh, 
I don't, again, I don't want to do any disservice to him, but it's the type of player that you kind of associate with a team like West Brom. They're a decent little side, West Brom as well. So I mean, I, I, I say I hope he does well down there because you know they, they could, they're going to probably finish mid-table or sort of lower mid-table possibly. Um, but they, they're a nice side. They play nice football. He should get a bit, quite a bit of service there. So I, I hope he does okay. Another player going from from the uh, from the Blues on Monday, and it was nailed on, wasn't it? Uh, Fellaini going to Man U in the end for twenty seven and a half million. Yeah, I mean it's always obviously been rumoured that there's going to be a double deal, but I think most Evertonians, you know, believed that Fellaini would go and, and, and hoped that Baines would stay, and that's how it turned out in the end. Um, Fellaini finally got his his move that he wanted to to Man United, and and what he's got. Reunited with a, a player he knows very well. Yeah, it looked like it was going to fall through about eleven o'clock, didn't it as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to think what, what's happened there is, uh, and I know I'll probably get shot down again by more moaning blues here, but I tend to think that probably that deal was done a lot earlier, and Moyes was trying to do Everton a favour by not revealing the details until Everton had been able to do their business, knowing that Everton would have then got held to ransom of thirty million pound in the bank. By the likes of Dave Whelan. Yeah. Um, I don't know about that. I don't know about, about that, to be honest. Um, there was a lot of rumour, and uh, Paul's, Paul mentions in his, um, his, his centres at a, a transfer deadline day report. Um, all the way from Sunny Malta. All the way from Sunny Malta, yeah. And um, it said that Fellaini's uh, pocketed four million or wavered his four million, so we only get 23.5 million in the end. But the club have come out today and said that any, any, everything from that fee. 27.5 million that has come from Man United so um, it, it's a straight up 27.5 million deal Yeah I think there's some confusion over this 4.5 million or, or 4 million whatever the figure is and I, I think this is tied into obviously you broke on the night of the transfer deadline day that you'd handed in a written transfer request Yeah Now initially I think a lot of people myself included thought well you know that that's not a good thing you know that, that's Fellaini doing the dirty on us but it transpires that that's pretty much a standard procedure these days uh, because it then prevents the club from being in breach of contract um, and selling someone and the club then having to pay uh, quite large chunks of the contract yeah. off to the player. Which loyalty, probably, loyalty fees, yeah. Yeah, so that, probably, that could be what this four million figure getting talked about is. Um, so Fellaini, by handing in the transfer request, probably saw himself a little bit out of pocket but did Everton a big favour and helped facilitate his own move so it's probably benefited all parties I would have thought Yeah and um, 27.5 million everyone's having a little bit of a chuckle at that at the moment because a couple of weeks ago we could have got it for 23.5 so. Well if that's what they were willing to pay for uh, Fellaini does that mean Baines would be 500,000 then? Yeah it's just uh, it's balmy isn't it it's just <laughs> bizarre how it's worked out um, with, there's been a few a few evidence speculating is, is that Moyes doing us a little bit of a favour as well which personally I don't really think it was <laughs> well, that's a bit odd he could have had them on. We could, I mean we know what went down on, on deadline day and we know about all the different deals Moyes is trying to do so there's two schools of thought on this there's one that you know he was always going to pay a bit over the odds and that was always going to be the figure he was going to pay for Fellini uh, and the other school of thought is that he's basically Tried to get a load of other players, failed miserably, and panic buyed, panic buyed, panic bought. Yeah. On a, a, a sort of ten to eleven at night and paid over the odds for him. But that's the way it comes across. But in reality, he's probably 
Was that you? <laughs> no, um, no, I think Lewis Hamilton just drove past. <laughs> yeah, we, we are coming live from Silverstone today in case anyone heard that car going at ridiculous speed outside my window. Um, yeah, I think the way it came across on uh, the way it was put across, it was, you know, done, done and dusted at 11pm on the dot or whatever. But in, in reality, you know, Man United have been trying to get deals done all day, knowing that they probably had that sorted for a long time. You know, it was just a phone call away, and then that was it, done. You know what I mean? So I think, I tell you what, though, a lot of Man United fans aren't too happy. Well, you know, that's their only sign, really, isn't it, of this transfer window? So, but, I mean, you, knowing how good Fellaini can be, from our point of view, um, he, he could go there and be like, he could, he could win everything with them, couldn't he? Well, he could do. I suppose I've always saw Fellaini as being a bit of a big game player. Whereas when you know when it's a big game, it's a big atmosphere. He tends to step up in those games, um, and I suppose. It's probably like that at Old Trafford virtually every week. So, you know, maybe he will play, you know, week in, week out and not have blinders for them. But I don't really get at the minute where he's going to play, where he's going to fit in. Does Is, is Moyes thinking about playing him off Van Persie and giving him that attack and roll like he had at Everton? And then if so, where, where does Rooney fit in? I can't see my new playing that long ball kind of thing, can you? Well, so so does he just play as as, as a centre midfielder in a sort of flat four? Does he or I just maybe box to box like Cleverly's meant to be? When he's, you're not a big fan of Cleverly, are you? No, if I had Cleverly, the only box he'd be in would be a cardboard box that would be sellotaped up and locked away somewhere because I think he's a terrible player. Um, so I, maybe you'll, you'll come in for him, but uh, it's I, I think I think it's, it's a good move for him. Obviously, <laughs> you know he's moved to the champions. Uh, good deal for us. There was uh, some criticism of him that he went missing uh, at Everton uh, over games when we needed him. Particularly, I, I think he lost a lot of fans uh, when we got uh, turned over in the cup last season against Wigan. I think a lot of fans thought he'd pretty much uh, gone on his holes then. Uh, to, if he goes missing at Man U, he's got a few players who can pull him out of it. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a good move and I think he'll do well. I must admit, go, recapping on the transfer window as a whole, um, if you the soldiers asked me at the end of last season, by the time the transfer window shuts, will Everton be stronger than they are now? I'd have said no. <clears throat> no chance. Potentially we are. I mean, OK, we've had a slow start to the season, but I mean, even looking on deadline day, we lost Fellaini, we lost Anachibi. Potentially with the three signings we've got, we are stronger. Yeah, so uh, Lukaku, you've got to say you've got to be happy Happy with oh, that over um, over Victor. So oh, one, one for one replacement there. McCarthy, we're unsure about, but you've got McCarthy and Barry in for Fellini. Um, so you've got an established international and an up and comer, and you know fifteen million pound change. So yeah, and you know the the, the, the possibility. I, I, I would say you know Fellini sort of been floating around in this new system without really making an impact so far and I would say this season obviously he scored against Stevenage but yeah. in the league games he hasn't really done anything and sort of you know he hasn't been playing off the striker he, you know he, he's just sort of been hovering around and, and not really doing much yeah I, I, there's been a few people Paul included um, for Paul from since 1878 uh, his mate who's been on it a few times um, he's, uh, he said that 
he thinks Fellaini's been pussyfooting around maybe and you know in the head of his big move to Manu. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think he might have just been a, a victim so uh, of a formation that we're playing at the moment, and um, he's not flourishing where someone like Barkley is at the moment. So, um, but all in all, you know, uh, if you look at what we got in, uh, what 33, 33 million uh, spent thirteen, so a lot of blues. Are talking about uh, where's this twenty million and it's the old where's this where's the money bill? That's the question we see a million times. Uh, has anyone asked where's the Arteta money bill? Yeah, of course they have. It's the same thing. Where's the Sky money? And it's uh, I, I must write. I do not like to slag Evertonians off, and I, I you know I've already held my hands up and said you know to a certain extent I am pro Kenwright. Um, you know, I always think the grass is green on the other side, and selling the club could be the worst thing we do if we don't sell to the right people. Um, but, and I don't want to slag other Evertonians off because they've got a different point of view to me that they want Ken Wright out. But if I have to hear the line, where is the Arteta money bill again? I think I'm going to go like Michael Douglas and falling down. It is the worst shout out there at the moment, and it does my head in. Yeah, um, closely followed by where's the sky money bill? Yeah, the sky money is wrapped up in the running of the club. That's where the sky money is. Yeah, I did a little bit of a little bit of maths today because because uh, I'm a bit of a geek like that. And say we have an average crowd of thirty-two thousand, you know, paying whatever um, on average paying forty pounds. Per game, that's only one thousand. Eh, sorry, one million two hundred thousand pound per game. That's only nineteen times a season. So that's what, just over twenty million from gate receipts. From gate receipts. So the overall run of the club, you know, um, that's that's twenty million. How much do you think wages cost a week? Do you know uh, how much do you think it costs? The to gate receipts don't cover the the, the wages, and, oh. and and this is what annoys me when pe- people say. Right, we've got 33 million or whatever it is, this transfer window. We should go out and spend that. Well, that's that can't, at a club like Everton, that can't happen. We need to bring money in to one, to run the club, and then two, to buy players. So I, would, I for one, certainly wouldn't expect to see all our 33 million. I think there will be money available in January, but it's probably going to be about another 10, maybe 15 million tops. Yeah. I, I agree, um, and I don't see anything wrong with that either. I think, um, as you said, the day to day running because clubs like City and Chelsea they've got like a you know stupid billionaire owner who'll just throw money at the club and at a loss. We haven't, you know, I, I, this deal for McCarthy wasn't dependent on Fellaini going, you know, and the club were adamant about that. They, you know, they made a special communication to. Sky Sports News to come out and say that that it wasn't dependent on Fellaini going so there was money there um, I don't think we'll see the whole of the money in January like you like you said um, but I, I don't know, I, I think they've done a decent enough job and there obviously has been some extra investment there, it's not like Chelsea investment but there is some investment and again, like you, I'm, I'm, you know, you, you know, we've got similar opinions on this, so it's probably make a better listen if we, you know, if I sit on one side of the fence and say, uh, Bill Kenwright, uh, 
you know, hold an Evan for ransom or whatever. And you know, I you know a lot of blues do think and call him Ken Shite or Ken Wrong or whatever. Then you know it'll probably make a better listen, but I can't because I, I think he he does what he thinks right for the club. And I think yeah, I think if he if he wanted to sell the club. Then I just hope it's to the right person. I want, wouldn't want us to sell our souls and end up, uh, you know, having our souls, uh, you know, being a soulless club like like Liverpool or Chelsea or City. You know, you, you see, my my problem with the Ken Wright haters is is two things really. Number one is if you go to the match, right, you understand that the Ken Wright haters are actually the minority around the ground. Around the ground in general. However, when you go on uh, face, you know stuff like Facebook sites, they tend to be your diehard fans who are on there, your fan pages. So within the, the you know the diehard fans, then the, there's more Ken Wright haters around, you know, as a comparison. So the Ken Wright haters believe they are the majority, but they're not. They're not in general with your general level of Everton fans, right? The second thing that gets me about the Ken Wright haters is. I, I'm as a Ken Wright fan. I'm fully prepared to hold my hand up when the board do something wrong. When Ken Wright makes a mistake, you know I will criticise him. However, when he does do something right, like they manage to keep all the Baines, or you know they do good deals on transfer deadline day, the haters will not, in, under any circumstances, give him any sort of props for it. They'll just spin it around another way. Well, all we've, all we've got in loans, or you know. Well, keep them beans, we should have kept them anyway. And it, that's that's not how these things work. So, I mean, you know, I might get criticised for this, this stance. And if any Ken Wright haters out there want to come on the podcast one week and argue it out, then, then by all means. But my point of view is that, you know, they've done a good job, the board and Ken Wright, uh, the last week or so. Uh, and they should be given a bit of props for that, really. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I... I you used the term there, Ken Wright fan. I, I don't. I don't think I'd say I was a Ken Wright fan. I, I just think you know I'm an Everton fan. I think Ken Wright's doing his best as an Everton fan in the role of chairman, whilst being in the role of chairman, like doing day to day chairman duties. Um, I, I think if somebody came in who was in the same same kind of mould as a uh, Ken Wright, but much richer uh, and and loved the club as much as he did, but was willing to throw money. At the club as well, I think I think he'd he'd, he'd have the handoff, and I think every Ever- Evertonian, Ken Wright fan or not, would have that. I think. But well, what my criticism Ken Wright is, he needs to write a musical that goes totally worldwide and global, so he's got loads of money, so he can pump it into heaven. Yeah, that'd be good, good for everyone, I think. Um, but the, the other thing I want to say is, you know, these are it's just there are opinions. You know, we're talking about our opinions here, and you know, the the Ken Wright haters, they've got their opinions. We're, that, we're not it. we're not saying we're right. We're not saying we're wrong. All we're saying is, you know, I think sometimes you have got to listen to other people's opinions, and and I will do I will do that with people that want to criticise Ken Wright, but I do think sometimes. The haters tend to sort of be a bit blinkered towards it. Yeah, I mean, for, for example, you know, we'll wrap this up soon uh, about about the, the whole Ken Wright side of things. This thirty-three million or the twenty-seven and a half million in particular for Fellaini. Yes, we all had an idea that Fellaini was going to be going on deadline day, but we can't go out and spend twenty-seven and a half million 
on the, on you know thinking that Fellaini might be going, can we? So people want us to go and spend that twenty five million, and I would have liked us to go through and get that Fernando who we were linked with. Um, but, you know, he didn't want to come to us, so what do you mean to do? Well, the, the way I look at it, and I made this analogy before to yourself, John, you know, at the end of the month when I get paid, if I get paid, you know, £500, and I go out on the first day that I get paid and spend 500 quid on, you know, clothes, I've got no money for the next month, I can't pay me bills, I can't, you know, go out and enjoy myself, whatever... It, that, it's the same for the football club. If you get thirty million in and you go out and spend thirty million, where's your money for the next however many months? Well, I think um, to be even more accurate, though, what they're saying is they want you to go out the day before, the day before, and spend your full pay packet on clothes or whatever, not knowing, you know, and, and you're not knowing if you've got your pay packet sorted out. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think is Dave Whelan selling the clothes? <laughs> yeah, Dave Whelan. Dave Whelan selling it. Uh, I'm an ET shirt for the <laughs> I'm not buying anything off Dave Whelan. I don't care whether it's I'm an ET shirt for the Nicker or anything. Yeah, somebody I'm somebody, not buying anything off that man. Somebody said on the uh, the Facebook page that like, he's just bitter because we, we won't let him sell our, uh, sell our shirt in a shitty shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to your shitty gym either, Dave Whelan. Right, okay. Just a little bit of feedback from our Facebook page and Twitter page. You find us on Facebook, just search Not Bitter, Just Better in the Facebook search bar. Uh, Twitter is at Just Better EFC. Uh, Dave Bennett commented and said, uh, My views on deadline day, keeping Baines the most important deal. Fellaini replaced with two good players and money spare for January sales. Sad to see Vic go, in a way, as was one of our best players end of last season. Lukaku, just icing on the cake. Great signing. And Barry Platt. Uh, happy just keeping Baines uh, Fellaini good business good riddance so that's a little bit a little bit of a different view there we did have some different views on Twitter as well Uh, Anthony Timo uh, it's it's fucking terrible two loan players in and we sell £30 million worth what a joke Christopher Ashton yes it is £30 in in non-spent plus £20 sky money probably pissed off tonight but would you call that acceptable uh, Blue Dan EFC on Twitter sell two players and replace them with loans one better one worse gone next summer that's shit <laughs> so a little bit a uh, little bit negative on uh, on Twitter Bill should often get the coffee made um, Matty Vickery uh, Vic has 22 uh, I think most people are quite happy with what's gone we'll miss Felly and Vic but we look strong I think the majority of the feedback that we've been getting, and uh, apart from those tweets, I think Twitter seems to be a little bit more negative. <laughs> seems to be a lot, a lot more hate on uh, on Twitter. But general feeling on Facebook is that we've come across, we've come off really well there on the transfer deadline. And uh, just to finish off, your thoughts on it overall? I think I think we're back in uh, optimistic mood again before we get uh, broken down after the. Yeah, I, I think you know we expected Felly to go. That was no big shock. So. Um, before yesterday or before Monday every, the thing everyone was crying out for was a striker to put the ball on the back of the net um, I'm fairly happy that we've got that in Lukaku so yeah optimistic and uh, just wish we weren't playing Chelsea next uh, I wish it was an international week as well <sighs> uh, international weeks. well that's the thing I'm just touching on that going back to Lukaku uh, interesting story that's been breaking today um, that it was uh, Kevin Morales took him uh, hostage at the Belgium training camp and basically didn't leave, wouldn't leave the room and wouldn't stop annoying uh, Romelu until uh, he signed for Evan. 
Nice one, Kev. <laughs> well in, Kev, lad. So just a little bit of breaking news uh, right this second is uh, the squad numbers have been uh, announced for the new signings and, um, well, for two of them anyway. Uh, Gareth Barry is going to take the number 18 shirt. Number 18 shirt, eh? So obviously following on from Phil Neville, uh, previous wearers of the number 18 shirt has been Wayne Rooney, Paul Gascoigne, Joey Parkinson, Davey Weir, so... Some good servants to Blues there and some good overall players. Some big boots to fill there, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and uh, James McCarthy is taking the number 16 shirt. Well, the 16 shirts are completely different. Uh, you've got some players there like uh, David Burrows, Vinnie Samways. I hated David Burrows more than anyone. <laughs> Vinnie Samways, Cadam Artery, uh, Jermaine Beckford and Tommy Hittlesberger. You know, who's, uh, Tommy Hitzelsberger's retired today, hasn't he, as well? Has he? Oh, yeah, I yeah, didn't know that, yeah. Well, I mean, I've missed a few out there, obviously. There's, there's Tommy Gravison's wore the shirt, Lee Carsley, uh, and Jags and Lescott both wore the 16 shirts as well. So, quite hit and miss with the uh, number 16, so hopefully he's, he's on the hit side of things. Uh, the other sign, and Lukaku, will be decided uh, once he comes back up into national duty. I mean, what's the odd? I can't think what's out there, really. Uh, it's only well, one of the higher number ones, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so, yeah. I can't, I, can't, I can't even think off the top of my head. Uh, and while we're on the... the 25, Fellaini? Possibly, yeah. And while we're on the subject of uh, shirt numbers, you, you've brought a bit of an interesting fact to me today. Oh, yeah, the uh, the Funny Everton page uh, on Facebook. They, 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 uh, you give them a follow, they're good lads. Uh, day-to-day humour from the Blues. Um, yeah, they, they put this stat up. From Wigan, we've signed... One last these are last year's last year's squad numbers, yeah. One Robles, two Kone, three Alcaraz, and four McCarthy. So who are we signing next then? Oh uh, well, number five Gary Caldwell. So I hope it stops there. To be well, yeah, it's a good job that the, the transfer window's closed now because he is a woeful defender. I remember him panicking at the end of last season every single time the ball came into the box. Yeah. Anyway, um, we're gonna we're gonna leave the, the transfer talk there and see you at the other side for all the fame. I defy any blue out there to not shake their eyes and go, woo! I'm not feeling that song, it's class. <laughs> anyway, uh, Mark, it's time for our Hall of Fame, and it's a, we've done it different again, haven't we? Yeah, as we've said over the past few weeks, it's our Hall of Fame, and we can put in whoever or whatever we want. And you may not always agree with us, but we're going to do it anyway, because it's our Hall of Fame. It's our Hall of Fame. And we can do what we want. Yeah. So... I think we've done enough on this podcast about players following transfer deadline today. It's been all about the players today. So I'm going to mix it up a little bit for the Hall of Fame this week. And I've decided to go, to put in the Hall of Fame this week, the grand old lady. The grand old lady itself, Goodison Park. Because every Hall of Fame team needs somewhere to play. And I can't think of anywhere better than Goodison Park. 
No, that's a good shout, yeah. And our, our, our beloved Goodison Park, it's had its knocks over the years and people have you know, slated it over the years for whatever reason. But whenever we go there, whenever you walk up that road and you see that sign, you see... You see uh, Greatest football stadium in the world. I've said it, I've said it, and yeah. I stand by it. You see, the, you see the stand and you get the chills. Get the chills up your spine. You sit there, Zedcar starts, you sat there with you know, 35,000, whatever other blues... And it's like a United chill up your spine because it's you're there in, in the church, the home of football, Goodison. Well, a few facts about Goodison Park. Obviously, it's location for people who don't know or can't see anyone listening to this podcast not knowing. Well, we've got a few US listeners, so... Well, it's, uh, it's based in Goodison Road, which is in Bolton, in Liverpool, L4. Um, so it's down the road from Everton. Just down the road from Everton, yeah. Um if you don't know the layout of the ground, basically it's surrounded on four sides. You've got Goodison Road where the main stands on. You've got Gladys Street, which uh, the Gladys Street end obviously is on the street where, end where we sit, uh, with the majority of the home support sit. You've got the Bullens Road end, uh, and then you've got the Park end, which is on Bolton Lane, basically near to near to Stanley Park. Um, the ground was opened, obviously, in 1892, on the 24th of August, um, and the current capacity is 40,157. Um, the pitch itself, the pitch at is... I never knew this until I've just read it now. It is. The surface is made by Deso Grassmaster. Is I didn't know you could get different types of grass, I'll have to say. Oh, didn't you hear all that, all that stories over the summer? Where they, is it part artificial now? Yeah, they've got a bit of plastic in the root or something, something like that. So it's yeah, so it stays better all year round. Well, it's Deso Grassmaster, apparently. Um, and the size of the pitch at the moment is 110 yards by 74 yards. Wasn't it a couple of years ago? Didn't I can't remember what manager it was. It might have been Walter Smith, so it's not a couple of years ago. It's many years ago. Yeah, that's about what... Well, at least 11 years 14 ago. 14 years ago or something. I'm sure he narrowed the pitch and we had like the narrowest pitch in the because we didn't really play any wingers. Yeah, I, mean, I, I'm think, sure. I think at that time the pitch was 110 yards long by 7 yards wide. <laughs> 7 yards wide, yeah. And Phil Neville still couldn't even get his long throw across <laughs> it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, obviously the, the stadium opened in 1892 and was one of the world's first ever purpose-built football grounds. And did you know that it was possibly even the first time ever recorded that a club, professional club, changed grounds for a monetary game. Did you know that? I didn't know that, no. So when all these clubs are going on now about getting the new stadiums, you know, the likes of Arsenal with the Emirates and uh, City moving into the Etihad, we did the first. Just, so, just trendsetters, aren't we? <laughs> We're the shepherds, they're the sheep, that's all I'm saying. Well, obviously, we, we've been linked with a move away from Goodison a few times over the years, and it would have to be a special move, wouldn't it? Because I think, you know, we, nobody wants to see Goodison tore down, do they? No, I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of talk about the fact that we're getting left behind, you know, we're missing out on revenue streams due to the fact we haven't got the corporate facilities, you know, we, we could have a higher capacity, whether we'd sell that out every week, I don't know. Um, but you know, I, I'm one of these people who I don't want to ever move away from Goodison. No. I, I like being that little old funny club, you know, tucked away. Yeah, I, I like it as well. Um, and you know, Mark and Paul, obviously, uh, as the uh, 
they let us know every five seconds got a chance to have a little game with Goodison last season, didn't you? I did play at Goodison, uh, you know, this year. I was you, you were Baines and Pina, weren't you? Uh, yeah, we were. Well, I actually had the number 14 shirt on, so... You were Naismith. It was the best performance of a number 14 shirt in the last couple of years at Goodison, anyway. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, you got changed in the home dressing room, you come up through the tunnel, out to Zed Cars, the stadium went on to announce your name on the pitch, and and then you got to play on on the Goodison Park tape. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, just, I made up myself because uh, I, I, I got to have a little run around when, when they, me, me, my old business uh, did a little bit of sponsorship on there and we got a little bit of run out at the end of the season. You were there then as well and I managed to score four times down the park end. So um, we both That was only from my service, my crosses coming in. Yeah, a co- couple of headers and volleys but uh, we didn't get to go down the Gladys unfortunately. We didn't get to score down the Gladys but, you know, just time. Um, I, but obviously going back to some more facts about Goodison rather than just us getting teary-eyed and reminiscing about us playing heads and volleys at the park end um, the Goodison Park has hosted more top-like games than any other stadium in England um, it's hosted the maximum number of league games any ground can host since the Premier League was formed um, and obviously um, with the fact that we all know is about the, the Main stand being the first ever three tier stand in in this country. Yeah, at the top of that stand, it'd be, it'd oh, be scary. There. Oh, it's like it's like I don't know whether the, the seats are sloped or what. You constantly feel like you're going to go. <laughs> I don't know if people sit up there. You know, I've only ever sat up there once, and I absolutely shit myself. Yeah, I used to go to a lot of reserve games, and I think I've sat there for a couple of cup games. But I've obviously, been in Gladys Street for like twenty years. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think know how people get a season ticket. Up there, it's just madness, isn't it? So, obviously, we, we sit in the Gladys Street, Lower Gladys, for our games, and, uh, you know, I've, I think I, I'm, I'm going through every single part of the, the ground. I think I've sat in every part. In fact, no, I don't know if I've ever been in the family. Apart from the family enclosure, I think I've sat in every... No, I have sat in the family enclosure. Yeah. So I have sat in every single part of the ground, including once, randomly, sitting next to Yakubu. Up right near the director's box, which was bizarre. Um, and for me, you can't beat the Gladys Street, you can't beat the street end. Yeah, I mean, the, the park end, the park end's come on over the past few years, and it used to be like um, a little bit like, you know, obviously it used to be the way end for fans. And do you remember those years when, um, you know, well, when that came about, you know, that the season when we had the game against Wimbledon, which, you know, we when we survived on the last day, well, there, was no there, was no, there was no stand there then, so it was just people stood on rubble watching us. But since then, it's come on as a you know, really strong side, and we've got those two home ends now, which, like, you know, once the atmosphere's going, you can really hear it, and you really feel it. Um, we just hope we can have something to sing about this season there. Yeah, on, I mean, on a day where, where Goodison's bouncing, there's nothing better, is there, you know? You, you think back to some of the games and you think back to, like, the last five minutes of Tottenham at home last season. Yeah, absolutely amazing, yeah. And it was just, you get you get the hairs on the back of your neck standing up and the whole of the, the Gladys Street, and, well, not just the Gladys Street, the whole of the ground. The whole ground, when the whole ground's bouncing like that, it's just amazing. I mean, I know it's been soured a little bit now, but, you know, the send-off for Moyes and Neville and Kayle when they were back last yeah. right at the end of last season as well, that was that was quite special as well. You think, I mean, we, we went to um, Anfield, which was shit, uh, and we went to Old Trafford. It's always shit when we yeah, go there. Old Trafford and the, and the Emirates last year, and the atmosphere... It, 
it sounded like a library in those places in comparison. I don't know whether it's because we were just, you know, all we could hear was like um, uh, the away fans, which were us, obviously. Um, but even when the Everton fans were like quietened off with a goal or whatever, you couldn't hear anything in those, in those other grounds, could you? Until they scored, and then there was like a little bit of a murmur, and then it was dead again. No, that, that's the thing with these new grounds. I mean, I, I've been lucky enough, I've been to Wembley a few times, I've been to yeah. the Emirates, uh, Old Trafford, like you say, you know. Chelsea, City of Manchester and the, 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 the modern grounds just, I don't know what it is about them, they just don't seem to have that same feeling about them um, maybe I'm just a traditionalist but I, I like the whole idea of you know, having one sort of stand uh, where you have the, your hardcore you know, home support in and singing their hearts out for the lads and you know, I mean ideally I'd love to see some sort of standing area come back I know like they've done it successfully in Germany with Dortmund and you look at that stand in Dortmund and it looks absolutely class and the noise it generates I mean I'd love to see them do that again with the Gladys people obviously I, I doubt that's going to happen yeah I can't see that happening any time soon to be honest um, yeah but go to Sun Park you have been inducted into the Not Bitter Just Better Hall of Fame even yeah. if you're not dogs in the Zincara five of each you're still going in so <laughs> No, I don't know how you're going to fit in the hall, being a stadium, but... It's a big hall. <laughs> it's a massive hall, this. It's a good point, that, after the end. Never thought, how do you fit a stadium in the hall? I don't know. Just have to wait outside. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. So, um, we've got somewhere to play now for our, uh, our Hall of Fame players. Yeah, it's shaping up nicely. We've got some players, we've got, uh, we've got a game, and now we've got a stadium. Uh, so that's it really for another podcast after Goodison goes into the Hall of Fame. Just on that note, while we're recording that Hall of Fame uh, section then, uh, I just had a phone call from Dave Whelan, believe it or not. Uh, uh, Dave said he's not accepting the 10 pence bid that we made for Gary Caldwell to come and make the coffees for us during the podcast. So uh, we're going to have to go back and try and restructure that deal. Maybe we'll have to get a sponsor or something so we can up our bid to 20p or something. But um, yeah, while we talk about sponsors, I suppose our unofficial sponsor is since 1878, Don't sponsors give you money though? Yeah, well, well what does Paul give us? <laughs> well, he's not a sponsor then, because he doesn't give us anything. But um, yeah, just to let you know, obviously, we mentioned it numerous times before um, the match day lounge that uh, Paul runs. Uh, we've got a bit of a special offer for you, believe it or not. Uh, for the Everton Newcastle game, uh, which is Monday, the 30th of September uh, there's going to be a special offer at the Players Lounge at County Road um, basically for a price of £45 now I don't know how Paul's doing this because I can't see how he's going to make any money from this at all for £45 you'll get a match ticket for the game and you will also get a free bar from 6pm till 11.30pm uh, you get a little bit of food before the game and you've got an Everton player an ex-Everton legend Given a post-match analysis after the game, um, forty-five quid. I know you're looking at your match tickets for thirty-seven, thirty-eight quid, isn't it? So, so you're getting a free bar for eight pound and, and an Everton player. Yeah, so it's it. Yeah, great deal. Um, Paul's Twitter since eighteen seventy-eight co UK. So there's no dots in there. Um, oh, you can get, just get in touch with us and we'll put you on to him. Um, but that sounds like a great deal. If I didn't have a season ticket, I think I'd be taking that off <laughs> myself. To be honest, I think. I think, uh, 
Well, I, I go anyway, but I think I might go twice at that <laughs> price. Um, and, and that's it for this week's podcast. We'll be back next Thursday, as always. I've got no idea what we're going to talk about because there's no transfer deals to talk about anymore. There's no game this week. We can't fill an hour moaning about England. We'll do uh, a full hour of uh, top threes and we're going to go, go to Hollywood again, eh? After the top three segment last week, I don't think we should ever do that again. But we'll, we'll think of something to talk about for an hour next week. Um, and that's it, really. Looking forward to seeing the new signings. Yeah, I can't wait. Uh, as always, if you're listening on SoundCloud and you've got an Apple device, you can catch us on um, on, on the iTunes store and subscribe so you get a straight to your phone every week. Uh, also, you can catch us on notbitterjustbetter.podbean.com and we're getting most of our listens through there, like nearly up to 200 on, on just on there. We don't know about the iTunes um, but getting a cu- couple of hundred uh, listens each each week, so it's quite good. Uh, just keep spreading the word for us, folks. And uh, from me, I'll just say to that, and I'll catch you next week for more Everton talk. And just before we do go, can I just check? James McCarthy, the one who sung "You're Beautiful." <laughs> uh, no. <laughs>